People say that paying for PMI is stupid. People say that you should avoid PMI. PMI is private mortgage insurance, and they tell you to avoid it at all costs. Most of these people who say that are old timers and have no clue what a millennial or a Gen Z first time buyer has to go through in the current rental and home buying market. I completely disagree with these old timers and their ancient, fearful philosophies. Remember, I'm telling you this, and I am 53 f***ing years old. This boomer advice given to you by people almost my same age, it's as outdated as my high school parachute pants, my full neon gigantic t-shirt collection, and me watching MTV when there were actually music videos on the channel. Discouraging people to buy with PMI is like telling people that instead they should be using a landline because those cell phones are too damn expensive. F***ing boomers. Play the music. What is up, my homies? Ah, homies, I'm so excited to be here with you right now. We're going old school. It's uh, it's 12.37 a.m., and I'm in the office, and I'm ranting into a microphone just for you. I'm so excited about this. I had such a bummer of a day. I had a great day, and then at the end of the day, uh, I took my key, and I went to the bathroom, and suddenly my office didn't open up. My phone, my car key, my laptop, everything I had in the whole world was inside my locked office. And of course, the receptionists and everyone have gone home. So I had to sit in a lobby by myself for about three or four hours waiting for the cleaning crew to get here, my nighttime cleaning crew buddies, to let me into my office. And so, of course, while I was sitting there, I had nothing to do but think. And uh, I started getting ready that to realize that I really needed to talk to you guys about PMI. So, homies, snuggle up. This is going to be a nice, long episode. Maybe a two-parter if you've got dishes to do or you're only doing a half hour of cardio. As we know, uh, I'm going to talk to you about PMI today. And I once again do want to remind you that I'm old. Drink. Uh, because... It's very important that you understand that although I am old, drink again, it's late. Have shots. Knock yourself out. I'm not a clueless boomer spewing ancient stupid advice with no actual clue how the real world works today. <laughs> they're, they're trying to tell people how to get by in the current today era, you know, when their advice comes from eras that begin with a 19 as in the 1990s or the 1980s. So look, I know I'm relaxed here because it's so late at night. And could I start this podcast with a bazillion old-timey nostalgia references since I am indeed a, a Gen Xer? Well, I could totally do that to the max. But I'm going to spare you all that and jump right into the details on this horrible myth that the boomers keep spreading about PMI. Now, I discussed PMI in episode 69, episode 131, and in uh, quite a few other interviews as well, but I haven't really put it all together in one place. And frankly, I keep hearing 
younger people, Generation Z and millennials, parroting and repeating back to me things that boomers are telling them, advice that they're getting from, I don't know, boomer websites that they had their little nieces do for them. So I'm going to go all the way into PMI on this podcast. I'm going to be reading the riot act to the damn boomers that are spreading this old time information. Oh, okay. Look, I know I said I wasn't going to get all nostalgic, but read the riot act. That's a great one for why do we say that? Reading the Riot Act, great saying. People will threaten people by saying they're going to read them the Riot Act. And that actually derives from a law all the way back from the 1700s that stated that if you had a group of 12 people or more that looked like they were threatening to become unruly, police would come and literally, yes, that's literally used correctly, they would literally read this Riot Act to them. So that was official. And that meant that after that warning, If it was read to them, in one hour, the cops could come back and start legally arresting people if they hadn't dispersed. True fact. You know, I always wondered why why a group of 12? Was that held over from Jesus and his disciples? Was it a dozen eggs because they can go rotten? Hmm, don't know. Okay, here's my riot act to the boomers. Okay, boomer, remember, I can say that. I am only Gen X. And to prove it, I'm wearing my Breakfast Club Don't You Forget About Me t-shirt for those of you watching on video. Okay, Boomer, why are you still selling your clueless old-timers warning about PMI and trying to sell it as, quote, sound advice? Look, I could be a jackass and I could just yell at you about how you don't get what today's generation is going through But I prefer to fill my debate arguments with a totally non-subjective, you know, playbook. I use facts. I use math. Hey, old timer, when was the last time you rented? And I don't know, five or 10 years of rents straight going up for the entire time? I'm talking like 10%. 25, even 50% a freaking year? When was the last time you were in that rental situation, Boomer? I don't think so. Okay, gang, let's dig in. All the Boomer advice on PMI, private mortgage insurance, is based on historical previous old-timey math. And that is dumb. Just dumb. Because rents, especially now, go up and up and up. And I have about 387 charts for rent that uh, the rental history that's gone down in the last 10 years, and all of them look like hockey sticks. It's got the blade on the bottom and then straight up the stick. The boomer advice is that for people living in the days of stable rent, you know, when rent was way down on the blade of that hockey stick. And we are living in the time of stupid, crazy rising rents. That's the stick on the chart, right? And these ignorant boomers are ignoring not only the most recent giant incline of the rental increase, but also ignoring the fact that future rent rates are most likely going to continue at the same pace. So when I hear the advice to avoid PMI at all costs, it is just freaking Jurassic, out of touch, and wrong. This advice has created some of the most uncreative and expensive thinking with buyers. 
they dwell so hard on the PMI and they get stuck in the, well, I don't know, should I or shouldn't I home buying equation evaluations. And the math, the true math says that this ominous and scary PMI that everyone's freaking out about is a freaking penny's worth of pain for a dollar's worth of worry. Now, I have no idea if that's a saying or not, but it's late and that just came out of my head. I feel like I made it up, but I don't know. It could have been in the recesses of my gray matter somewhere and it could be an actual saying, but it's damn good in this instance. A penny's worth of pain for a dollar's worth of worry. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just made something up. So PMI, or sometimes called MI, mortgage insurance or private mortgage insurance, what it is is it's a monthly fee that you pay on top of your PITI, your principal interest taxes and insurance, that makes up your monthly payment. And you have to pay private mortgage insurance if you put less than 20% down on your home. So it's an extra line item added to your monthly total if you don't put that 20% down payment. What it is, is it is an insurance policy, not for you guys. No, that's an insurance policy for the bank. Since someone a long time ago decided that banks need insurance to cover, you know, the risk of their investment. And the magic number that they made up was, oh, 20%. Totally pulled out of someone's butt. It has no mathematical function whatsoever. They just just decided that's the cutoff line to safety and stability in home equity so they don't lose their money. They wanted to be safe and insured just in case you can't pay the loan and you lose the home. That means it goes back to them, and they want to make sure they have enough equity that they weren't upside down to lose any money. The theory is that if there's a loan on the home and it's more than 80% of the home's value, well, then they have a greater chance of losing money. You could end up not making your payments, they get the home back, and suddenly, oh no, they only have 20% worth of equity. Now, already, gang, this is a BS system. Since this 20% imaginary safe number that the banks made up to protect them is just made up. And they've decided you have to pay insurance. And I went back and looked at everything and that 20%, it's way more than they need to cover their potential losses. Since 1963, when the US home prices were only $17,000, since 1963, only three times have prices dropped over 7% in one year. Since 1963. So why do they need a full 20% of coverage and make you pay insurance? especially since the average increase over every 10-year period since the beginning of time is a plus 4%. Each year, you end up averaging 4% in the plus column for every 10 years, including those 10-year periods that had those three times where the rates dropped 7%. So I don't know. I'm just thinking, well, shouldn't a magic safe number be 10% or maybe even lower? So right off the bat, you can see that the system is rigged. So that means you need to use your head and not your heart or fear impulses given to you by some old-timey mantra. PMI is bad. I say so. I'm a boomer. Don't pay extra. That's dumb. Look, I get it. It sucks to have to pay extra for anything. But are you really paying extra? Let's look at the math. 
How do we use it to your advantage in the current high rent market? Bottom line is you're stuck with the only loan options that you qualify for. Unless you can buy a home cash, the average home in the United States is a little under $400,000 right now in the summer of 2023. So any of you guys got $400,000 cash lying around? I'm going to assume no. So we all have to get a loan, right? Okay, so let's deal with it. Well, here's what's crazy about the PMI argument. Right now, for the buyers of an average priced home at $400,000, if you have decent credit and you're uh, looking at your options, depending on where your credit sits, that PMI is going to cost you anywhere between $60 and $90 a month. So for this discussion, let's just say that the PMI costs you $75 extra dollars a month. Okay, getting more into the math. Buying a $400,000 home at 6.5%, we're talking about $3,000 a month. That's the full PITI if you're using a low down payment option. But by all means, old timers, let's make sure that we have a $3,000 a $3, a month payment. Let's freak out about $75 a month and not concentrate on the 25, 38, 97 different ways that you can prepare and create the right formula for you and your family to substitute your rent payment with a new payment of, again, could be around $3,000. But depending on how you structure it, you might be able to save $100, $200, $300 in that big $3,000 payment. But by all means, let's freak out about the $75 PMI. PMI, it's just another cost to the loan. And it's one of the smallest. There are many other line items to add to your new monthly payment that are 10 times the cost of the PMI. And you can work with a killer unicorn team to get those larger pieces of that $3,000 as low as possible to save you way more than 75 bucks a month. For some of you, it might be $3,200 a month, but you talk to the right person, it could be $2,900 a month. But none of the other line items that could reduce whatever your full monthly payment is can get you an extra $40,000 in your bank account, except that is an option if you use PMI correctly for just 75 bucks a month, 40 grand in your bank account. You don't have $400,000 cash stuffed in your closet. We're good with that. So you're getting a loan. You have to get a loan. And a loan they all have fees and costs. And those fees and costs are what you pay for the privilege of someone giving you $400,000 to buy a home. You've earned the right and the privilege for someone to loan you a huge amount of money to buy a home. You earned that privilege. You earned it through your income and your salary, your savings, your credit score, and your level of debt. You have earned the right for someone to feel good about giving you a $400,000 loan. They're going to give you the money. You're going to pay for the loan. And how much depends on how much of a low rate and quality product that you have earned 
through all of those aforementioned items. In a recent episode, I discussed how a listener once tripped out when he found out that an $800,000 loan was going to cost him $1.8 million over 30 years at his current rate that he could qualify for. Not understanding that, yes, someone's give you that money, but you're going to have to pay for it over time turns out to be a little bit of a truth bomb. If you just pay the minimum and you never refinance and never sell the home, you will pay for the privilege of somebody fronting you $800,000 and it's going to cost you a lot of money. But in our example today, you are going to pay for the privilege of getting a loan on an asset. Let's say you get $400,000 in today's example. Well, that $400,000 asset should appreciate at 4% for 30 years or more if you keep it after that. Right now, we understand you're not in a position to buy cash, so you have to make the smartest choice with your money, how to use a loan and how to buy it. If done correctly, most people are not going to end up paying the minimum amount so that they pay every single month, which means they're going to pay the maximum amount of all the interest and fees and everything over 30 years. And in the case of PMI, a lot of people don't realize that what PMI can be is a privilege to you, so you don't have to wait to go out and ask somebody for the loan. You can start earning wealth for just a small, extra, temporary monthly fee. As my friend, the Mandalorian, would say, this is the way. And yes, PMI is temporary, unless you use an FHA loan, and we're going to discuss that at the end of the podcast. But PMI on a conventional loan is temporary. You're going to pay $75 a month to have the privilege of buying a $400,000 home with somebody else's money. But you only pay it until you cross that magic made up 20% threshold in equity. Once you hit 20% in equity, some banks are going to say 22% then the PMI falls off. So if you put 10% down, when the home appreciates another 10%, you hit the 20% mark and the PMI drops off. And remember, each month, you're gonna be paying down a portion of the principal with each monthly payment. So that's increasing your equity position every single month as well. So truly, with 10% down, it's a combination of another 10% you need to get combined between the home going up in value and what you pay down on the loan each month. That means that PMI is a temporary extra payment for you. And it's there for you to have the privilege of not paying $2,000 a month. $2,000 a month that you pay to a landlord, you get nothing. But instead, you can put your money towards paying your monthly payment into your shelter payment, which now goes into an appreciating asset. It's just like you have the privilege of someone charging you today's rates six and a half percent on a loan. So if you're getting six and a half percent on a $400,000 loan, that's a privilege to you. So you don't have to wait to save up $400,000 in cash to buy a home. PMI is just another fee. And it's temporary. And yet the boomers have everybody so badly scared about PMI that I get people all the time saying to me, 
No way I'm going to pay that stupid PMI. Buying a home is expensive enough already. I'm not going to pay that extra, man. I'm going to save up until I can put a down payment that means that I don't pay that stupid extra fee. All right, first of all, I want to remind you, uh, it's a temporary fee. Not going to be there forever. Second of all, I want to remind you that while you're waiting, I'm guessing home prices are going to be going up. More on that later. Okay. You already heard me say that I agree that the 20% threshold the bank uses to assign this fee is stupid. I'm with you on that. But letting a small $75 a month payment be the all-powerful guiding decision-making factor is absolutely not in your best interest in this new high-rent economy. It's $75 a month is $900 a year. And letting $900 a year be the reason that you decide that you're going to just keep saving for a bigger down payment while at the same time you're paying $2,000 a month in rent or $24,000 a year. It just doesn't make good mathematical sense because that $24,000 a year goes to someone else and not to you. I mean, I hope that you understand that you could buy at five or 10% down payment, but People will refuse to do that and they'll scratch and claw because they want to save up another forty or $60,000 to get that 20% down payment just to avoid PMI. Okay, let me say that again. They're going to save forty or $60,000 to get that 20% payment just to avoid $75 a month or $900 a year. There. See, when you say just to avoid PMI versus just to avoid paying $75 a month or $900 a year. Doesn't it make more sense? Now, look, I'm not going to say that you're stupid if you originally thought that. And, and I'm not going to say that you're stupid if you decide that you want to do that. If you can tell me that you actually truly understand this math. I will say that I know boomers who are saying that they're afraid of being stupid for not understanding that times have changed. And we need to get over the fear and we need to find a better way in a new world. Okay, gang, listen to it this way. You're a millennial or Gen Z in 2023 or 2024, and you've been getting screwed by the system. You've already faced a number of rent hikes and your rent goes up every year and you feel trapped like you can't buy a home. Okay, here are some options for you to avoid or to embrace PMI. You can avoid PMI if you're military. Anyone who served or is serving currently, you can buy a home with a VA loan for zero down and no PMI. Okay, if you aren't military then, then let's look at having to embrace the PMI options. You have a decent job, decent credit, and normal debt. So you're likely going to be able to buy a home with 3 to 5% down. You're probably going to get approved for that. So that means you're going to have PMI. So that's an extra $75 a month or $900 a year to get you a $400,000 loan. But again, that's a temporary payment and it won't be with you for the life of the loan. So your question, all right, David, is it worth it? So let's run the numbers on an average $400,000 purchase. You have to assume that rents are going to go up. I mean, think about it. $2,000 a month rent today, it was freaking $1,650 or less pre-pandemic. And that was just three years ago. So here's the math. Say that today you have $40,000. You have the 10% down payment saved on that $400,000 home. 
home. That means you can buy now and pay the extra $75 a month or $900 a year in PMI, or you'd have to save up another $40,000 to avoid the PMI. How many years will that take? Okay, let's go crazy optimistic. Let's say you could save $1,112 a month. Why that number? Because that'd be exactly three years to get $40,000. In the meantime, during those three years, while you're having to save $1,112 a month, here's what's going on. Your first year's rent is $2,000 a month. That's $24,000 a year. It goes up $150 next year. So that's in the second year, $25,800 paid to your landlord. And if it goes up another $150 the third year, that's $2,300 a month or another $27,600 paid to your landlord because you want to make sure that you are not going to buy with that awful $900 a year of highway robbery known as PMI. Okay, so in those three years that it took you to save $40,000, first of all, you had to save $1,112 a month, but you also paid out $77,400 to a landlord, and that money's gone forever. It goes to absolutely nothing. Now, at the same time, if the $400,000 home appreciates at the national average of 4% a year, then you also are going to miss out on, what is that? For this is oh forty eight thousand dollars in equity. Oh, and also while you were saving for those three years, the four hundred thousand dollar home that you were thinking about buying, uh, because it's gone up at that four percent, it's now going to cost an extra forty eight thousand dollars. So let's round it up to a four hundred fifty thousand dollar purchase instead of the four hundred thousand dollar purchase that you could have done three years ago. But you didn't do that because you wanted to quote unquote save seventy five dollars a month or nine hundred dollars a year. And at this time, you realize you paid out seventy seven thousand four hundred dollars in rent while you ate nothing but cheap ramen because you were also having to save $1,112 a month. Oh, and you lost $50,000 in equity that now you're actually going to have to pay extra on the price tag of the purchase price of the home. The $75 a month in PMI is what you pay for the privilege of not having to come up with an extra 40 k and be stuck in this crazy rent cycle. And it's a chance for you to start building your long-term wealth immediately. So why do the boomers hate it so much? Is it because they suck at math? I don't know, maybe. But I really think that also their hatred spawned in an era of normalized renting. They never rented in this hockey stick era of rising rents. They don't know what it's like to sweat every 10 months while you wait to see how much more you're going to have to pay with the new lease for the same crappy apartment. Screw inflation. Rent hikes are the reason no one can afford groceries and gas. They don't have any clue what it's like for you year to year. Boomers don't understand what adulting is like in the 2020s. Rent is an upward expectation for you. When boomers moved out from mom and dad and they started renting on their first try, first they did it with roommates to split the cost. But since rent stayed at a reasonable rate year after year, only going up about one or 2%, well, after a few years of getting a salary increase, they could afford to ditch their roomies and rent their own place. Meanwhile, today, millennials and Gen Z starting renting with roommates, just like the boomers did. Well, you get a 3% raise, let's say, every year or two. 
but the rents are going up 10 to 25% a year. So instead of losing roomies as the years go along, you actually have to add more roomies sleeping on the couch just so you can pay the new high rents in that same crappy apartment. This generation has to be more creative. In the grand scheme of things, $900 a year in a temporary PMI payment will actually be one of the lowest fees that you pay for the life of the loan. But I still have people every single day dead set on not buying a home if the, quote, extra cost of PMI is involved. Homies, that's throwing away the baby with the bathwater. And no, I'm not going to do a why do we say that on throwing the baby away with the bathwater because it's pretty obvious throwing a human infant away because the bathwater is dirty is stupid. So what is not so obvious <laughs> is that to some, PMI is a privilege that is out there to help those who don't have 20% for a down payment just yet. It could also be a privilege for those that do have 20% for a down payment. I often suggest they look into this math and the options that this tool of PMI can give you. Stay sharp, homies. Some big math coming your way. Okay, let's say you have $80,000, the full 20% to put down on a $400,000 home. But after the $80,000 plus the extra for the closing costs, that's gonna tap out your savings and you're not gonna have much left. You don't wanna be house poor with no savings. All right, how about this? Put 10% down. Oh, David, I can't do that. Doesn't make any sense. All right, here's the math. You put 10% down and you pay 75 extra a month, $900 a year in the extra PMI payment. But 10% down means that you've got $40,000 cash liquid in the bank. Yes, you're going to have a difference in loan payment, but everybody also on this one doesn't do the math and they freak out about it. They think, oh, loan payment is going to be so much different from 10 to 20% down. On a $400,000 home at today's rate of 6.5%, the extra from uh, that you're going to pay reducing from 20% down to 10% down is $253 a month. So now if you pay the extra $328 a month, that means that in order to have $40,000 in the bank, you have to pay about just a little under $4,000 every year so that you can have $40,000 in the bank instead of putting all $80,000 into it and having nothing. Now you got $40,000 in the bank for emergencies. Now, the reason I say that is because if you put the $80,000 into the 20% fold down payment, you can't get that cash out unless you do some sort of cash refinance, which is not necessarily a guarantee, or if you sold the house. So if you want to, instead of putting 20% down, and just put 10% down, put $40,000 in the bank, and for $4,000 extra a year, you can keep a full $40,000 in the bank. And now here's some more math. If you want to not pay the extra $4,000 a year, you can use the $40,000 that you have liquid in the bank to pay the extra $4,000 a year or $328 a month. Just pull $328 a month from it. Your $40,000 will reduce slowly. And at the end of year one, you will have actually paid the same monthly payment as if you put $80,000 down because you're supplementing with that $40,000.
But in the bank, you're now going to have 40,000 minus the 4,000, $36,000. So you put the money aside, then you pulled from it so that the payment still felt like the 20% down payment. But at the end of one year, you have $36,000 in the bank. At the end of two years, you're going to have $32,000 in the bank. And at the end of the third year, you're going to have $28,000 in the bank. Now, at the end of three years, with the way the market is moving and where we're definitely going to be going in 2024 because of, say it with me now, low inventory, you're likely going to be able to refinance and get the rid of that PMI payment. So now you're going to be in a lower payment, not to mention the fact that you're probably going to be able to refinance into a lower interest rate, but that's a whole other bit of math. So let's just leave it at you subtracted the PMI and you've got $28,000 in the bank. It's not just about the now thinking. It's about working the math in your favor. So let me say that one more time, since this is crucial to help first timers feel so much more at ease. It's not about the now thinking. You can't have all these extra options and all these things that I'm talking about in the now thinking, unless in that now you own. When you rent, your only option is to try to save up and pay out to a landlord, which of course is massively counterproductive. So, if you have 20% down specifically just for buying a home, think about this option of how to use your money. $400,000 home, $80,000 down, or $40,000 down with $40,000 in the bank. Now that 10% down means you have a higher loan amount. I told you that was a $253 a month. And that means you're also gonna pay an extra $75 in PMI, total of $328 more a month, but you have $40,000 in the bank. Had to repeat it just for good measure. It's totally up to you. And then you could pay the extra monthly in three years and have no PMI and still have $40,000 in the bank that you wouldn't have had, or use the $40,000 to pay the extra $328 a month. In three years, you'll have $28,000 and no PMI. Is your head spinning? Now, if you're one of those people saying, yeah, but I don't want to pay on a 30-year loan at that 10% down monthly payment versus the cheaper 20% down monthly payment. Okay, how's this for math? If you use it for the first three years, you're still going to have $28,000 left to pay the extra $253 a month that you're paying. That's the difference, the whole difference between the 10% down and the 20% down. So now, after three years, you've got $28,000 left, and that extra payment that you wanted to pay, it's $253 a month. $28,000 divided by $253 is 110 months. That's almost nine more years. So you've had a total of 12 years to pay with only using 10% down, just like you would have paid if you put 20% down. But instead, for those 12 years, instead of having the money locked in the house, you paid for the privilege of having a huge 10% nest egg that slowly reduces, but is there for 12 years in case of emergency 
instead of buying a home with the full $80,000 and then having nothing to fall back on. PMI is not a deterrent. It is a privilege that you can use to have more options. If you don't fully understand that, I did try to go over it a couple times, but feel free to rewind right now. Play that section back. My biggest concern is people would rather listen to that fearful advice because it's easier to digest rather than take 5, 10, 20 minutes to listen to that over and over again to deeper understand your best options. Go ahead, rewind it till it makes sense to you. And then if you disagree, you do you. But this is one of those times I'm going to put a caveat on my you do you statement. I'm fine with you doing you, but not until you can explain that math back to me. Not until I know you fully grasp it. Don't let the fear and the dumb thinking from the old timer scare you into not seeing the options that we unfortunately have to use in this era. This is one of the ultimate hacks to beat that rigged system. Do not let the boomers and their tired old myths hold you back from escaping the rent trap. Now, the last thought. For those of you waiting for me to explain how this all works with the FHA loan, and I know it's because FHA, PMI stays with the FHA loan forever. So uh, what if you go and you talk to a unicorn lender and you figure everything out and you find out that your only low down payment option is an FHA 3.5% down payment loan? Well, you might have heard, because I just said it, the PMI stays with the loan and never goes away. So does that mean that people who get an FHA loan have to pay PMI for the whole 30 years? Well, I guess if you kept the loan for 30 years, but most people don't. PMI is absolutely not a reason to not consider an FHA loan if that FHA loan is the best option for you. See, the way it works is FHA loans like PMI are a privilege to help some people get a loan if they cannot get a conventional loan. FHA loans have lower credit scores and lower income requirements. So a lot of times it's the best way for people to get into home ownership. Now, there are some people who use FHA loans uh, who could fully be approved for either one, a conventional or an FHA. But a lot of people have decided that the FHA is going to work for them, especially on a 20, 30, 40, 50 percent loan. But for those of you looking at the low down payment option that has PMI, each buyer has to do the math to decide if the extra fees that you pay are a better bargain for you over time. Better bargain for you to get into a home pretty much any way you can instead of continuing to pay your rent. Now, that's something you have to consider very, very carefully. Yes, will FHA loans cost more than other loans? Yep, they will but it still could mathematically be a better option for you than staying a renter in this current crazy rental environment. Sure, everybody loves a better loan rate and a better fee, just feels better, right? But when it comes to deciding if you should do an FHA loan or try to wait to get a conventional loan, I offer this example to you. Uh, a person getting a conventional loan who has 50 or 75% down is going to get better rates and better fees than the person with 20% down. 
Now, I don't recommend that the person with 20% down and can get a conventional loan right now, I don't recommend that they keep saving until they get 50 or 75% down to try to get those better fees or rates. See, even with the extra costs to you, if you're an FHA buyer, it still can be better than paying rent for two, three, or five years until you can improve your situation and get that better conventional loan. Do I know I can say that for everyone? No. You have to check it out for yourself. And then it's math. But the truth on the great fear of PMI for life with an FHA loan, here's the truth bomb. Me, my lender, and my unicorns, we've all been doing this for a long time. And I can tell you that they what they told me that over many, many years, for me, it's 17 years, but for some, it's even longer. All of them said that 99% of their buyers who used an FHA loan eventually refinance out of them into non-PMI loans. Nobody keeps the PMI for the full life loan with an FHA loan. Eventually, they refinance out. If you do the math and you figure out that you must use an FHA loan, as time goes on, you're going to have options down the road to pay down the loan and your equity will be growing from your payments and the appreciation. Life and financial situations drastically change over the decades, and you're going to have more options at your disposal as life just keeps moving on. But you have zero options on adjusting your home loan if you are renting and never buy a home. Gang, if you want specific information on your personal, very specific situation, HowToBuyAHome.com is a place to get planning. I'm not selling approvals so you can go out and buy a home right now this month. I'm educating. I try to empower you. And most importantly, as you can see here, I try to get you the math to help you make the right choice, whatever that choice is, and whenever that choice is for you, based on your own personal finances and your goals. I've been doing this too long to let fear drive the decisions of the people that I try to help guide in this process. I prefer to see, yeah, I'm an optimistic dude, but when it comes to math, optimism doesn't mean squadoosh, right? I see the privilege of the options that you've created for yourself rather than seeing the mythical roadblocks that keep you paralyzed and paying a landlord instead of yourself. Not doing the math to realize you do have the privilege of options. It can be rough out there. So you're going to need a guide to help you. One that knows the math, not the myths. Howtobuyahome.com. Check me out on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube. Find me, get educated, ask questions, get some solutions, and stop listening to ghost stories. You can do this.